This event was recorded live at the 2019 Edinburgh International Book Festival, a 17-day celebration of words and stories welcoming authors and audiences from around the globe. You can hear more events by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Acast, and watch event videos at edbookfest.co.uk and on YouTube at edbookfest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage the hostess with the mostess, the Long Island songbird herself, Lee Randall! Come on, come on. Don't believe a word of what he says. See, that's how you do an introduction, isn't it? Has everybody put their phone on silent? Um, excellent. I'll just wait till he sits down and then I'll introduce him. I'll loom. Okay. He can loom while I introduce him. This is going to be very informal, I, I hope you know. I'm going to loom from a sitting position. It's less effort on my part. Less effort. This is the one and only Stuart McBride. I am, as previously announced, Lee Randall. <laughs> Um, Stuart is the number one Sunday Times best-selling author who put Aberdeen on the Tartan Noir map. And yeah, as the programmer of Granite Noir, yes, Aberdeen. Um, You're not meant to mention Granite I, Noir. I did it, though. Look, I, I did it. Yeah, just, just pretend that we haven't mentioned Granite Noir, okay? We haven't mentioned another festival while we're at the Edinburgh Book Festival, which is obviously an extremely lovely festival, the Edinburgh Book Festival. We are hugely supportive of it. It's... It's got great people, it's lovely audiences, it's a wonderful thing. Granite Noir does also exist, however, and it does happen in February in Aberdeen. <laughs> we didn't say that, though, so just forget that, OK? I'm still introducing you. I'm plugging the festival. I know you are, but... You know. Have I mentioned that I'm, I'm the, the festival ambassador for, for Granite Noir, the festival that You're we're going to get me fired about. from this festival. You, you, you started it. I know, I know. Sorry. I never said any of that. Um, my next line was going, going well, to be that Stuart's books make me laugh more than I should when reading stories of murder and mayhem. I, I think we're in for an hour of this. His books are also educational, as we'll discuss later, because I learn heaps of swearing and inventive slang. Um, the new book, All That's Dead, is the 12th Logan McRae. No! <laughs> no, it's not, it's not the 12th. Harper Collins says it's the 12th. And I said, well, no, it's not the 12th, it's the 13th. And then I did something recently when, where they, they, they did this weird trick of they, they opened up the new book and counted the number of books. And it's 14. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't think to do that. No, no, I just went I, by the press release. No, I, I, I double-checked in the bookshop, the, the excellent bookshop that's available here at the Edinburgh Book Festival. Other it's book festivals are available, but we're not allowed to talk about them. It's the 14th novel in the series, and it finds Logan returning to work after a long time off, after an extended medical leave. He returns to the professional standards group. He's hoping for a really easy time of it, ease back into the job, get reacclimated, but no, no. He's assigned to an investigation surrounding the disappearance of a high-profile anti-independence campaigner. And as more people go missing, I'm not even going to look at him, 
Their body parts turn up in some of the most disgusting packages ever delivered. In the background is um, a kind of a real stooshy between the factions for and against Scottish nationalism and independence, and the police themselves are at each other's throats, and it all plays out in the merciless glare of the media spotlight. Now, I'm going to, t- I'm going to take a slight oh, issue with you okay. there. Um, when you say that some of the most disgusting packages ever delivered, yeah. you are aware that you can buy sex toys in the shape of Donald Trump. I asked you not to mention him. But I'm assuming they're slightly more icky. I said some of. I didn't say the most. But can, can you imagine ordering one of those things, seeing one of those online and going, Oh, I know where you're going, Donald. We're going to start with an easy question. I've, I've interviewed you before, and I've never asked you, where does Logan... Then why did you agree to do it again? You know what happens. Because you know how fond I am of you. Where did Logan's name come from? Did you pick him out of a, you know, is he named after someone secretly that you knew? Is he picked out of the telephone directory? Oh, but it's not secret at all. He's named after my nephew, Logan. Oh, how did I not know that? Apparently you've not done any research. <laughs> I've done different research. I've never seen that anywhere. No, but, but he, he's named after my nephew, Logan. Ash Henderson is named after my nephew, Ash. And a book that HarperCollins really doesn't want me to write has a protagonist called Rowan, who's my niece. While I'm here, what did... The thing is that they've they've stopped having children. So I've kind of run out of character names for for my protagonists. Do you have kids? Uh, I have cats. Do you want... Well, I could try naming them after cats. Yeah, well, one of my cats is called Daisy. Daisy. And Uh one of my cats is called Minsky. 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 Minsky's a good name for a cat. It's not as good as beetroot, onion, gherkin, or grendel, but it's a good name for a cat. Which are your cats, aren't they? I'm contractually obliged to talk to Stuart about cats and to ask him, how did you get so sexy? It's a question that's often been asked, but never been answered. I guess it's sexy, sexy is in the eye of the beholder, so each person in this room will have a different answer. Yes. About your appeal. Yes. Keep it to yourselves, though. <laughs> Just in case. So there's poor Logan after an extended medical leave. Mm-hmm. How, how vastly different is he now from when you first conceived? Did you really think he was going to be here all these books well, later? It, 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 he is, it's incredibly different to the first book where he has been off on the sick because on extended medical leave because he'd just been stabbed. So almost completely different to the way that he starts the new book where he's just been off for a year because he had been stabbed. (laughs) Other than that, completely different. No, come on. Characters develop and change and morph over the course of 14 books. Well, yeah. He he starts off quite naive. He's he's still very well-meaning, but he's become a lot more cynical because there's just no way that he could go through the kind of things that I have made him go through and not become a little bit embittered with life. Um, So as as the books have actually gone on, I've made him more like D.I. Steele in the way that he reacts to things and made her more like him. So they sort of pass over slightly. uh, And there are characters in the books who who actually say that to him. You're you're worse than Steele is now. Mm -hmm. 
And and he is, and that's 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 intentional. So they, they've yeah. they sort of they've crossed over. But that happens when people were, you know, work closely together or live together for a long period of time. They take on each other's stuff, don't mm. they? See, there's deep psychology behind this. It's not all knob jokes. <laughs> no, but there actually is deep psychology behind it because you use something called close associative discourse. I do. Yes. In thinking about your, and I would like you to describe what that is and how you use that to build characters. Um, well, close associative discourse is a, a method of writing whereby what I'm really looking to do is to give you the, the character's lived experience without the author sitting in the way. So instead of saying things like, uh, instead of having something, Logan remembered a time when, blah, 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 which is the author telling the reader that Logan has remembered something, mm -hmm. but I, to actually make that active and to make the things that he experiences that you get to experience them with him. So rather than, having to, rather than explaining things, just showing what these things are like and how they make him feel, and not by, dis, not by telling you how he feels, but by letting you experience it with him, mm -hmm. which is why there's so much internal monologue um, in the narrative. And this is boring the living pants off of people. No, it's fascinating. So, it's, it's, all, it's all very, very technical. <clears throat> it takes forever, and if you do it correctly, nobody notices that you've done it. So it's a stupid way to write books. And do you have, do you have character Bibles where you just write down everything, that, their backstory and, and all the stuff so that you keep them straight, or do you just keep it all in your head? Um, I, I have a Word document that I call Cast and Crew, uh -huh. and it's become more and more complicated as the books have gone on, and now it's split into this section is for police officers and this section is for the Banff people and this one is for Fraserburgh and this people is for and these are the MIT people and these are the sports staff and these are da 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 da, da. I still get things horribly wrong. What did your editor call you up and say, you know, you made him blonde and he's a redhead or Oh no no or no or do your oh, readers oh, oh, much call you up? Oh. <laughs> um, I, I I there is never there's never been a book published in the history of ever that is absolutely perfect and has no mistakes in it. Even the Bible, you know, somebody will be going, oh, oh, some, oh, we should have caught that. We'll get it fixed for the next reprint. And I'm quite happy if readers find these things and, and are nice and let me know, mm -hmm. uh, because it means that I can get it fixed. Because, you know, the books get read dozens of times, um, but some things will always get through. Um, like, for example, there is one book where in the hardback, a character appears who actually died three weeks Previously, oh. <laughs> and that was because I hadn't actually put the words deceased on the character sheet, oh. uh, which I now do. I now grey out the person with the word deceased and which book they died in. Um, but, so, but one person emailed me and was really nice. I said, I don't know if you noticed, but is this the same person that? Oh, ooh, that's a terrible mistake. Thank you so much for letting me know. I can get that fixed for the paperback. Um, you're a star. That's great. And about two weeks later, I got another email that basically went, You're an idiot! That person's dead! You're an idiot! Your books are crap! And what did you say to that person? Delete. Oh. <laughs> so you didn't go back to them with a few choice words? No, no, I, mean, I would love to. I would absolutely love to. But there's, there's, there's no point. The irate... Let, them, let us call them dickhats. Um, you know, the... the, the they're already incensed and upset, and they just want to be more incensed and upset. So it doesn't matter what you say to these people. I mean, what do they expect you to do? 
because they, they include your email, their email address, as if you're going to email, I'm so sorry, oh, please forgive me, please forgive me. <laughs> so no, you just have to say nothing, just delete. I think that's wise. I think that's wise. So why... You fume about it, I mean, for days afterwards. And flick the Vs at the computer. Then you could get it out of the, under, out of the delete folder and just have a seize at it again and delete it again. Don't you ever clean out your trash folder? I do once I've finished seething. <laughs> Let's talk about the whole independence and nationalism theme in the book. I was really intrigued by it. Why, why now? I mean, this, this is what, what really... Something must have set you, you mean, off. You why now? No, but... <laughs> Why especially now? Well, it's, it's, the book isn't actually about independence. It's about the polarity of politics, yeah. and not just UK politics, but global politics. Because uh, we seem to have ended up in a situation where what we have are screaming bags of nutbags on one extreme and screaming bags of nutbags <coughs> on the other extreme, mm -hmm. hurling abuse at each other. And it makes for exciting media. So... These are the people that um, the newspapers and the television and the radio all concentrate on. And these are the people that they get on an interview. And there's this massive pool of what I would say most of us, fairly reasonable and intelligent people who are open to discussion. And we have lost control of democracy. It is all being dominated by the nutbags on one side and the nutbags on the other side, just hurling abuse at each other. And you can see it in... Oh, but you can see it. You can see it in the in the most vocal sides of um, Brexit, Leave and Remain, of Trump's America, Republican and Democrat. Uh, the French are at it. The Turks are at it. The Greeks are at it. Germany's at it. Everybody's at this populism, and it's all about who can shout the loudest and be the most offensive to the other side. But why have we lost? So I've, I've just focused that through the lens of Scottish independence. Why have we lost the ability to have an intelligent discourse? Why? How did, where did that go wrong? Do you know what I think? And I, I never thought I would say this for you, but I, I have come to the conclusion that there are a lot of really, really thick people in the world. <laughs> and I think the rise of the thickies has corresponded with the decline in people who actually read books. So you guys here, you know, you are readers. They're okay. You know, they, they, this is, <clears throat> there used to be so much more of us. You know, we used to be legion. The people who read books, we were in the majority. And now it just seems to be that we are no longer in majority and the nutbags are in control. Yeah, I mean, I've got a note here that what comes shining through with the alt-nats is their willful stupidity. They're actually deliberately stupid. They don't want to be educated. They don't want to be, you know brought up in the world. Neither, neither side does, because the only opinion that matters is the opinion that backs up what they already think. What I loved was that um, there's, a, there's a moment... Only a moment. ...where someone... Someone sexy. Is a, well, it depends on whether you find Roberta Steele sexy. <laughs> I thought yeah. it was interesting that at, with all these crazy people and these mad alt-nats, which I think you, you've invented the alt-nats, haven't you? Or are they a real thing? I don't know if they're a real thing. Um, you better explain I, what they are. I, I just went, you know, well, we've got the alt-right <coughs> and the alt-left, so we'll just have alt-nats and Brit-nats and 
all other sort of little acronyms that we make up for, yeah. for, for names for people that we hate. And so we don't have to treat them like real <coughs> human beings anymore. And we can just discount everything that they think and yes, say. Yes, and they're highly anti-English. Well, sadly, there, there, it is, there's, it seems to me it, it's the only form of racism that's actually acceptable in Scotland still. Is, it, it's, it's so weird. I mean, I, I even say this in the book. Um, you know, we have, we, we love and we welcome German tourists to Scotland, don't we? We do, we do, because generally they're lovely people. Um, during uh, the Second World War, my granny's house was the only one left standing after one night's bombing raid. And the next night, the Luftwaffe, efficient in German, came back and just flattened absolutely everything. And we have, you know, and we have moved past that point. But we still bring up something, we still bring up battles that happened th over 300 years ago and hold grudges for that. It's just, really? Could we not be better than that? Shouldn't we be better than that? I mean, even if there are people on, on, the, on the, the other side of the divide who are quite happy, I mean, that, oh, what was that thing? Who was it? There was a, a, an MP that stood up in Parliament. Um, she, was on, she was on Twitter today, and I think it was the last couple of days, and she was talking about um, the Scots being run out of towns and sold into slavery by one of the monarchs and how this was the, this was the answer to the West Lothian problem. You're a member of Parliament. What the absolute goat-buggering fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> you know, this is, this is not where our political discourse should be. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, so but even if we have these massive, massive douchebags that behave like that, we can be better than that. You know, we can be, you know, um, it's, it's, as Steele says it. That it that's it. Steele says it. She gives the beautiful, impassioned right on speech and I was impressed that you put it in Steele's mouth. Yeah, well, because I, I thought if there's anybody who's going to say it, it's going to be her. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, the, the, if, if, if we do decide as a country to go for independence, can we not be a country of aspiration? One that it's, it's about bringing everybody up and everybody doing better yeah. and not just about Scottish versus English. Because yeah. I, have, I have this... I, you know our, our unofficial slash partially official national anthem, Flower of Scotland? I think we should get rid of that. Because apart from the fact that it's, it's a bit... It's a little dirgy, isn't it? And, you know, it, its big rousing chorus is, you know, that stood against him, proud Edward's army, and sent them homeward to think again. And we all go, wah, yes. That was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. But, you know, why, why, why define ourselves by how we are against our, our neighbours south of the border? Why do that? Why, why, in our national anthem, define ourselves by this battle that happened hundreds of years ago? And just, you know, technically, since then, we took over their country because our king went down south and went, Hello, I speak French, you know. 
I don't know if this accent is properly French, but I'm going to give it a go. Actually, I'm South African. I'm... Well, what do you propose? Hello. I am King Stuart. How are you doing? Oh, let's go down here. We have taken over. So, so yes, you know, so technically, you know, we conquered England. We sent our king down there. He didn't have much of a chin, but he had a big, big, big rough thing, so that's good. Um, and, yeah, so, so why, why define ourselves like that? And I think our, we should have a new anthem. Which is? And I think it's an anthem that, that speaks about things that we can be proud of, that's aspirational, mm-hmm. that you can actually play on our national instrument, because, mm-hmm. of course, you can't play Flower of Scotland on the bagpipes, because the bagpipes will not reproduce one of the notes. You can't go da-da-da-da with a bagpipe. Because it doesn't do da at all. Mm-hmm. That's why, why you, you listen to it at the rugby and it goes, what is it? Da 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 da. <laughs> and we're all supposed to go, yeah, this match meant to sound like that. <laughs> terrible, terrible. So, something that's aspirational, something that's positive, something that doesn't define us by our reaction to another country, and something that everybody can sing along to and has a dance in the middle of. All right, on you go. What? Okay. What? I know you've chosen something. Mm-hmm. You must have chosen something. Will you be doing the dance? Obviously, I'm going to stand for this, because this is the national anthem. <clears throat> Scotland's great, Scotland's great, la, 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 Scotland's great. Doobie, 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 Scotland's great! Now, Lee, I know what you're thinking. Where's the next verse? (laughs) And the truth is, you don't need a second verse because the first verse is so damn good. You could just repeat it endlessly. No, I think just once once and out is enough. Can you imagine the next Olympics? (laughs) If if the the guy in second place has to stand there for... And then it's... And now the gold medal goes to Scotland. Scotland's great, Scotland's great. Dooby 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 doo. We would win everything. We'd have to be independent for that to happen, of course, because otherwise we're in with the UK. Well, not in the Commonwealth Games. Okay, oh, all right. I'm not, I'm not going to. Has there been any backlash to? Some of the ideas. Do you think I should book? suggest this to Nicola, by the way? <laughs> we just pop past, stick a post-it note through the... Through the yeah, I mean, box. she's just over there. Has there been any backlash? It's strange I haven't been elected to Parliament, isn't it? Have you even run? No. Yeah. Fancy being uh, elected an MEP, though. I would have done that. An MEP? An MEP, oh, yeah. you got massive pension for life. <laughs> Nigel Farage is set. Really bringing the tone down here. That's really upsetting. You mentioned Trump. You mentioned Friday. Do you want to get any of these I me- I other? Mentioned, I mentioned a Trump-shaped sex toy, which is even worse. Yeah. Okay. But you're ignoring my question. You're going to go home and you're going to Google that, aren't you? No, I am so not. <laughs> Battery is not included. I don't think I ever want to have sex again. If that's a possibility, <laughs> really. <laughs> ever, never. Think how Melania feels. You're still not answering my question, which is, has there been any backlash to some of the political ideas in this book? Well, I was really quite surprised because I did think 
that this book was going to be a career ender and that people would read it and I would just get this torrent of abuse. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, as long as I can get the same amount of abuse from either side, then at least that means I've done a balanced job. And you know what I've got? What? Nothing. <laughs> Nobody has commented on it at all. No, 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 nothing in, in, in sort of the papers going, oh, this is quite contentious, Stuart. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's very, it's very, you know, pressing and of its time and, you know, all these things are going on. So what do you, no, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Okay. <laughs> Why don't they care? You wanted a row. No, not really. But it makes it so, so, somebody paid a little bit of attention. No, it's, get, it got good, it's getting good reviews, right? Is it? Well, I don't pay any attention to that. Oh, well. <laughs> so you don't actually know if there's been a row? Oh, the Twitter. Twitter oh, well, yeah, Twitter's know. a whole... We'll go there in a minute. Another thing that the book asks us to consider in the shape of King is um, the stupid shit we do when we're young. The stupid things we do sometimes for stupid reasons. And I'm wondering, do you think that there should be a kind of a statute of limitations? I'm not saying if you were Pol Pot when you were 20, but <laughs> do you think there should be like a kind of a statute of limitations on dumb shit you got up to when you were younger if you've, if you've been a good person since? Oh, I, I suppose it, it, it all depends whether you believe in redemption or not at all. Do you? Um, oh, well, I, I do, but at the same time, you know, look at the guys who were marching in Charlottesville. Mm. You know, the guys with the tiki torches? Yeah. And happy smiles? Yeah. Look at us, he. You, you know, at what point do you go, well, you're a bit of a racist dickbag. <laughs> so where, where do we draw the line of... Yeah, no, that's what yeah, I'm at. That's the kind of debate yeah. I'm trying to... Yeah. But, but, but everybody has the capacity to change. So, mm. Yeah. I think it, I don't think it should be a statute of limitations, though. I think you would. No, I'm just you would have being to contentious. Like you know. Change your ways yeah. in some substantive ways, like in Groundhog Day. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll never sleep with Andy McDowell. Another thing I have no interest in doing. <laughs> Poor Andy McDowell. What a terrible thing to say. I'm sure she's lovely. I'm sure she is lovely. Is this interview going the way you thought it would in your head? Yeah, actually it is. Because <laughs> I've met you before. Um, another thing, I mean, I mentioned the spotlight, the media glare, and the fact that the media always paying attention and blowing things up and the constant need for the police to give um, press conferences and say, yeah. this is how it's going and this is how it's going and come up with results that actually don't exist. And I'm wondering about your own relationship with not just the media, but with social media. I mean, is it a hate-hate relationship, a love-hate relationship? I see you on Twitter, and I can't tell if you're enjoying yourself. Good. <laughs> well, nobody wants, it, not, nobody wants you to come onto Twitter and go... <laughs> Loads of people do. I do sometimes. Yeah, I know, but, you know, I'm, I'm not meant to. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, no. I think every, almost every author is under instructions from their publisher. You need to do social media. You need to engage. You need to do social media engage. Mm -hmm. Could I not sort of write books and engage through, through the books? No! Spend hours on social media liking pictures of cats. <laughs> I'm down with that because I'm cool. I like pictures with cats. 
if my entire Twitter feed could be nothing but pictures of cats doing cute things, I would be a happy man. Sorry? Maine Coon cats, by far the prettiest cats in the world. Other cats are available. They're also the biggest cats, you know, house cats in the world. Yes, indeed. Um, I, I have a friend. Where's Al? Where are you, Al? Ah, yes, He's Al. over there. Who, who lived, uh, excellent crime writer, by the way, Alan Guthrie. Um, do read his books. They are magnificent, dark, twisted, quite funny. Very silly. <laughs> <laughs> you don't go for you don't really go for the laughs in, in things like Slammer, do you? Or Savage Night, not quite so much a chuckle fest, but excellent books, excellent, excellent books. Um, and he has three main coon cats. I only have the one. In real life or in the book? No, in real life. In real life. Um, and but my my main coon cat is about that. Grendel, um, Elva is how big would you say? Yeah, so about, about the size of a wheelie suitcase <laughs> and not a carry-on wheelie suitcase. She is a big cat, very pretty cat, very big, pretty cat. But yeah, um, we actually got together, we were asked to write um, a novella uh, for a series called Dark Duets. And so we got together and we said, right, what, what do we both really love? What are we interested in? And we were like, cats, oh, we love cats. <laughs> so we talked about cats for a while. And then we came up with the story and wrote it and sent it off to my, my editor just to see what she thought of it. And my agent, and both of whom came back and went, God, no, you have to change this. This is far too dark and nasty. No one's ever going to want to read this. Oh! So we made it slightly less dark. Just a Was it about cats being dark? I'm totally confused now. I've, yeah. I've lost control. Yeah. It's, it's called Replacing Max. Okay. And um, we're very fond of that, aren't we? And I think we're probably the only two people in the world who are very fond of that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, and, and um, Al is also the, he is the model for PC Guthrie. <laughs> With his happy potato smile. <laughs> and, and certain sexual obsessions. <laughs> oh, dear God. I'm going to change the subject. You remember earlier I told you these books were educational? You might have noticed that I'm American. I've been here for over 20 years. However, when I read Stuart's books, I learn curses and insults I have never come across. And I wanna, I'm going to just tell you a few that I learned reading this book. Mostly Roberta, it has to be said. Shiny Bumhole. <laughs> Womble Funting Dick Muppet. Sloth Buggering Wonkfest. An ethnic cleansing wank spasm. Uh huh. Have you got other favorites? Oh, oh. Wumple Funting Spud Nugget is just such a lovely one. I stopped swearing um, in the books properly years ago because I used to get these outraged emails from, from people. But I was very much enjoying the blood and disgusting bits of body coming out and cannibalism. I don't know why everybody speaks like this tonight, but this is just <laughs> how they do it. Ah, and the, all of this is lovely and wonderful, but why do you have to spoil this lovely scene of someone raping a dead badger? 
by using foul language. <laughs> and eventually I got a bit fed up of it, so, so I, I started to cut back, and no one complained that I had cut back on swearing in the books. So I cut back a little more, I cut back a little more. And then I started to take it as um, sort of a challenge, um, which really it hit its peak in Now We Are Dead, where the teams have a, a, a collection of, of terms of, of approbation and probation. Mm -hmm. And one is picked out of the hat, and it's today we will be swearing with the word whatever it is. Do you have a favorite curse? Have you ever invented a favorite curse? I love, these make me, I just burst out laughing every time they appear on the page. Good. <laughs> but you don't have a favorite? Well, no, because the ones that I use in my real life are quite naughty. Okay. <laughs> not, for the, not for your delicate ears. I know growing up in Manhattan and Long Island, you know, you've had a very sheltered upbringing. Yeah. And, <laughs> My mother taught me every curse word I know. She had a foul mouth. <laughs> um, the other thing, the books are a tour of the most dangerous food in Scotland. I finally found some vegetables in this book. They were in a tin. <laughs> other food in this book included candy, sausages, chips, every kind of takeaway you can think of, a Kit Kat butty, which I don't even understand. A dozen kinds of cake, and something I don't even know what it is. A strawberry mivy? Now, is this because I'm American? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I am ultimately American. What is that? It's a, a strawberry mivy is a, a nice lolly. Oh, okay. Well, that's true. Great hangover cure there, indeed. Okay. Well, think, don't feel too embarrassed, because last year I was in here with Stephanie Merritt. Yeah. And as part of reading out the, in, the introduction... She, um, she was talking about that, that renowned Scottish orange fizzy drink, Ernborough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, I, I guess what I want to know is, are these, is this based on your research with the police force? Is this a genuine police diet? Um, I, well, not quite so much, not quite so much. Um, the, a lot of the police officers um, that I've spent time with particularly the younger ones, um, because of the, the way the pay structure happens now. It's, it's really not massively rewarding to be a police officer, mm -hmm. um, particularly at the start of your career. And, um, and uh, as S Sergeant Bruce Crawford, who did Logan's job in B Division when I was doing The Missing and the Dead and In the Cold Dark Ground, as he would put it, there were some damn poor pieces by the end of the month. Because, and, and they would genuinely live on the cheapest soup that they could get mm. out of the supermarket and a, slice, a, a loaf of sliced white mm -hmm. and, and whatever they could steal from other people's cupboards. <laughs> and it's, there, there, is a, there is a genuine... There's an etiquette to stealing food in a police station. And that's you don't steal from the previous shift because they can hang around and catch you. <laughs> so you always have to steal from at least the shift before that. Biscuits. You, if you don't lock biscuits, even if you lock biscuits away, chances are someone will find them and they will be gone. You can leave mobile phones, you can leave money, all of these things just but lying about food. in the office. They will not be touched. Yeah. But a packet of chocolate hobnobs, whoosh! <laughs> never see those again. What did we start off talking about? 
Oh, well, the diet. The diet. The diet. Yeah. Because I found some canned vegetables in the book, but that was about was it. it. it yeah, they were in a tin. Oh. Yeah. Was somebody eating them? I think they were contemplating them. I don't. I, they weren't using them as a weapon. That so. sounds more like a murder weapon. It does, but you didn't do that with it, you know. But I was. I was scouring the book looking for like lettuce, a tomato, nothing. Well, I, did, I did come up with a cardiologist's delight, <clears throat> which is two rowies with a buttered, obviously hot rowies, buttered, three hot sausages, slice of plastic cheese. Rowie on the top. Have you ever had a rowie? You must have had a rowie when you were up at the, the book festival that we're not allowed to mention that happens in Aberdeen in February. <coughs> I, I had one and I didn't like it. <gasps> oh. But I didn't have it out of a... I had like one that was pre-packaged. I think if I got one from a, oh, no, a good yeah. bakery, you, it would probably be fine and I'd love it. And it would be grand. Toasted. So it comes out like napalm. <laughs> the great thing about the rowie is that they're like cockroaches. Um, you know, you can, the nuclear apocalypse will come and go and rowies will still be perfectly fresh <laughs> because they're about 90% lard and the other, fif the other 50% is salt. And do you, what's the traditional way of eating one? Do you butter it? Do you put on jam? Do you? I, I think it's, it's a bit like whiskey. We don't care how you eat them as long as you eat them. But yes, toasted, hot, butter melting into what is already an incredibly fatty piece of thing. Maybe a nice slice of plastic cheese that melts gently onto the top so it's slightly sticky and tacky. Or a big slattering of, of seedless raspberry jam. Jam and cheese? Not the, not the same rowie. Okay, well that's, that's what you just described. What? I did say or. Oh, I didn't hear the or, sorry. Listen, I want That's to... taking fusion cuisine just yeah. too well, far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I read... I was sent a proof of your book, but I gather that in the beautiful finished copy, which is available in the George Street... Now, this is the George Street bookstore, not... Don't go back to Charlotte Square for the signing afterwards. Just that, that way. That you have actually drawn the end papers. Mm -hmm. Is that... And... I know that you started out with drawing comics. Might you, I mean, do you do a lot of drawing? Do you spend a lot of time no, drawing? Lot, and might you go back to that? Um, well, I, I did illustrated end papers for, um, uh, sorry, but my problem is that because the marketing department at HarperCollins really likes dark, deadly, blood, cold, bones, blood, deadly, dark, dark, dead, cold, bone, blood. <laughs> As a title for a book that they kind of do get a little bit difficult to parse. Which, um, a Dark So Deadly. Mm -hmm. Which has dark and deadly in it. Um, I did maps as end papers for that of Old Castle. Yes. Um, and, and you did that, those yourself, didn't yeah, you? Because yeah. I, I was reading all the street names to see all your colleagues, that, you know, McDermott Drive and Rankin Road and all, all that stuff. But I didn't realize you'd actually drawn the map yourself. Yep, oh, yep. So that sort of set the, the tone. Then when I did um, Now We Are Dead, it had the, the illustrated front contents page, just like Winnie the Pooh has. And it has the, the map of Aberdeen at the back, you know, like Winnie the Pooh has. And then a bit of science about how many 
rubber ducks it would take to collapse into a black hole. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. What? It's quite a lot. I think you'd need quite a lot. You guys do know about his Winnie the Pooh obsession, right? You all watched him which win Celebrity Mastermind? Yeah, see how impressed they are. I think it's impressive because when I first learned about it, I was a little surprised because that was when I still didn't know you very well and I thought, well, this is interesting. Why does Stuart McBride love Winnie the Pooh? Well, and, he, and again, this is why in All That's Dead, there is a, a line that, that actually says... Celebrity mastermind. Have you seen the kind of Z-less nobodies they have on that? Yes. I put a star next to that in my proof. No one ever got a career boost from doing celebrity sodding mastermind. That's true as well. Absolutely nobody noticed and nobody cares. I noticed. Yeah, but you don't care. I care. I do care. Holy! <laughs> you're the only one! But tell them why you. Tell them about Winnie the Pooh. I think it's a lovely facet of your personality. Um, when did you last read Winnie the Pooh? So, uh, so mo most of you, a long, long time ago, a couple of people said just a few years ago. Um, what did you think about Eeyore? Yes, yeah, because a lot of people go, oh. And I think that's because we, we confuse the Disney Eeyore, who's just a bit sad and a bit down, with the Eeyore in the books, who is, in fact, an utter dick. <laughs> and he is. He really is. Going back to read him as an adult, he's horrible to the other animals. He talks down to them. He's dismissive. He calls them names to Christopher Robin while they're standing behind them. You know, he's an awful, awful character. And he is an awful character because he's actually based on Owen Seaman, uh, which is not a joke name from Pugwash. <laughs> but he was deputy editor of Punch. And uh, when A.A. Milne was really trying to, to get work with Punch, because that was, that was the pinnacle um, for him and, and his, his, his sort of peers, was if you could get stuff in Punch regularly. And when Owen became the, the editor of Punch, he hired... A.A. Milne to be the, the, the sub-editor. Mm -hmm. So they worked together, and Milne hated him, absolutely loathed him, because he was a staunch conservative, and Milne was liberal, and they would fight with each other at the, pub, uh, the punch table, it was called, where they would all go for sort of weekly dinners to discuss what was going to be on the cover of the magazine the next week. Uh, and he, he loathed the man, absolutely loathed the man. Um, and he based Eeyore on, on Owen Seaman. So that'll be where he met Shepard, who did the illustrations, and the beautiful well, illustrations. Well, yeah, um, except that he thought that Shepard was just a terrible illustrator. Really? Um, and just wouldn't be in the least bit suitable um, for um, uh, one of Milne's first books. And then he was talked into getting him to do um, when we were very young, mm -hmm. and that all took off. Except, of course, that Milne. I'm going to be. See, I know this. I know this stuff. I am boring. I am very boring. I find it fascinating. Uh, Milne actually commissioned Shepard to do the illustrations, rather than the publisher, which oh. meant that Milne gave him a one-off payment, and thereafter held the rights to every single image of Winnie the Pooh. Ooh. 
that's interesting. That's Have I just bored the living hell out of you? No, it's fascinating. Because there's loads more of this. I think it's fascinating. I also want you to... Um, I want you to tell us about R.D. Wingfield, because I found that name when I was looking into your you know, back catalog, so to speak, and researching you, and that's not a name that I'm terribly familiar with, but that's somebody that you really rate, isn't it? Um, well, R.D. Wingfield, if you haven't heard of him, you've, watched, you've seen Touch of Frost on the telly? He wrote the books, and the books are much, much, much better than the TV series. Huge, hugely better. Um, they are darker, they are funnier, they are cruder. Um, they are extremely un-PC in places. Mm -hmm. um, when was some, he some, writing? Some of which has, has stood at the test of time better than others. Mm -hmm. um, he only wrote six of them. Uh, and he's sort of responsible for me being a crime writer. How? Just by being inspired by them? Or did you actually meet him? Or? No, I never met him. He was a recluse. Um, he hated people and hated David Jason as well. So that I can understand. He, he really loved the television show. Um, <clears throat> yeah, well, uh, I had one, one lunchtime at work. I'd gone across the road to Waterstones and saw A Touch of Frost. I thought, oh, well, you know, we've, we've seen it on the telly. Yeah. I'll buy the book. Yeah. Took the book and my sandwich back to my desk. Fifteen minutes later, went back across the road to Waterstones and bought the rest of the series to take home with me. Because really, mm -hmm. really enjoyed it. Uh, so when I was actually looking for an agent, I wrote to R.D. Wingfield's agent and said, you know, big fan of, of Rodney's work, and I know you represent him, and I have written a, a novel, and I, I hope you'll consider it. And if, if you want to get a publishing, if you want to get an agent, it, it, it really helps if it looks as if you've done your research mm -hmm. and you haven't just picked their name at random. So that, that really helped me. Um, so, yeah, he was um, responsible for me getting that agent, and it was that agent who then suggested, would I stop writing what I was writing and just do a straight police procedural? What were you writing? Um, I was still doing crime fiction, but it was odd crime fiction. How odd? Quite odd. He's not going to tell us, is he? Well, one of them was Half Head. Half Head? Half Head. Which half? <laughs> Everything above, everything above here okay. gets to stay. Okay. And that, that, that has actually been published. So. <laughs> what are you looking at me like that for? No, I, you endlessly entertain me. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. Half Head. Okay. Half Head, yes. Is that the name of the novel if I want to go find it? it? It's the name of the novel. It's, um, it was the result of watching doc two documentaries back to back uh, on consecutive days about the American penal system. Uh, one of which was going on about how these very strange people will find mass murderers and serial killers and write to them and propose marriage to yeah, them yeah. and basically worship these people. Yeah, it's a weird phenomenon. Yeah. And this, this whole thing about, you know, uh, with the, the kids these days when they walk around and their jeans are like down here and you can see their pants, mm -hmm. underpants, not pants, like you weird Americans call them. <laughs> Trousers! Anyway, yeah, well, it's, it's meant to be to emulate the fact, you know, when you go into the uh, correctional facility, they take away your belt so your trousers don't stay up. So it's, look at me, look how hard I am. I'm pretending to be someone who has been caught 
rather than somebody who was intelligent and still gets to wear their belt. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so it's a combination of that and another one which was about the death penalty and how about the death penalty just does not work in no. any way, shape or form. No. Murder rates in the US just keep going up and up mm -hmm. and up and up and they keep executing people. Nothing changes. Mm -hmm. doesn't work. So I thought, well, take these things to the logical, the, their illogical conclusion. What if we made it really, really impossible to idolise a serial killer or a gangster? Mm -hmm. Right, well, let's get them to do the most appallingly... Let's really put them out in public doing menial jobs. So let's have them, let's have them be the people that you see scrubbing the toilets with a, a hand brush. Mm -hmm. Not with machinery, but obviously, you know, this is... And so we don't want them to, to get better from this, but we don't want to kill them because we know the death penalty doesn't work. So what we do is we surgically mutilate them by removing their bottom jaw. So they can be, they can be seen. You know, you cannot hide the fact that you are this, and you are then lobotomized as well. So you, you then become a walking billboard for what happens if you get caught. And it's not romantic, and people are not sending you love letters. You are out... Yeah, you are a deterrent. Yeah. That and that's, yeah. That, that's, that's, that's sort of the, the kernel for the book. Wow. And it's, it's crime fiction. It is genuinely that's a great, crime fiction. That's a great premise. I like that. I'm going to go look for that. Before I turn if it over... If your mate Tom Cruise wants to make a film. Yeah. You don't want Tom Cruise. He can stand in a box. <laughs> I'm sure he could do a great Glaswegian accent. I'm trying to picture that, sorry, that. just give me a minute. No, I can't picture it. I really can't picture it. Um, Going to eat Mission Impossible, boy. <laughs> other, Glas <laughs> other Glaswegian accents are available. <laughs> I know, but that was just the, the one that came to mind when yeah. I thought. <laughs> I'm going to ask the audience in a minute what they want to know, but before I do that... Um, you don't, you're famous for writing seven days a week, 365 days a year, and I just want to know, you're not bringing out a book next year. This is I'm the first time you've taken a breath in a long time, and what are you doing with yourself? What are you going to do with this free time? Are you guys finally going to go on a holiday? Dude, 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 somebody up the back there making up dirty jokes there. No. On what am I doing with myself, honestly? No, it's all in your dirty oh, mind. Um, I mean, what's it like to, to just give yourself a little break? It's really weird. Is it? It's really weird. Yeah, it has genuinely been seven days a week for 16 and a half years. So I got to the point where I don't have some time off. I'm just going to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start a new book and I'm going to kill everybody. <laughs> and Logan will be dead and Steele will be dead. They'll all be dead. And I can just go and do something else. But so my publishers uh, went, well, how about we give you six months off then? Just to kick back. Yeah. Chill out. Kick back, chill out. People say I look a lot better for it. <laughs> Ahem. You're always gorgeous to me, Stu. Thank you. That wasn't so hard now, was it? No, and it was May I say you're a vision of loveliness yourself? You're, you're contractually obliged to reply in kind. I, I do understand that. What I'd love is if we just turn those lights right up. There are roving mics. I, we have about uh, seven or eight minutes. I would love to hear what scandalous questions you have for Stuart, but you know, we'll get to as many as possible. Raise your hands and wait for the mic. 
There's one. It's <laughs> a nice musical introduction. Um, well, the thing is, the, the, I think I'm the only person that actually has hold music while the microphone travels. I think it's absolutely great. Um, it's kind of two questions, really. Uh, sorry. Um, is there any plans to uh, make a TV series at all? And who would you see in an ideal world playing uh, Logan? Um, no, no, there isn't. Um, we've had a couple of production companies involved uh, in the past, and they did such horrible, horrible things to the scripts and the characters that I don't allow anybody to have the rights at all now. Um, they, they think Logan has to be weird to be the central character in a TV show. So, yeah, whereas I write him as a normal person who works for weirdos. So they make him a weirdo by adding all this, this bizarre stuff to him as a character, and then they make D.I. Steele has to be a normal person so she doesn't outsign them, and the books just do not work. The whole dynamic is, is broken. So I just go, no, 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 no. Of course, if a huge check came my way, <laughs> I would still say no. Would you? Yeah, I think so. I think so. That it's, I think it's, um, George R. R. Martin, you know, famously, he, he wouldn't let anybody have the rights for years and years until somebody came along that he felt that he could trust um, with it. So, mm. you know, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not at the point where if I don't have a TV series, the roof's going to fall off my house. You know, we, we, will, we will get by. Mm -hmm. so, I, so I think, no, and just, just doing it for the greed of it is not of interest. Next question. You've answered my question in part this evening, but I'd like a more Can complete you just answer. Hold it? I'd like a more complete answer. Uh, a year or two ago at this event, rather than be interviewed, you prevented, presented a scientific presentation regarding sweary words in your, in your PowerPoint presentation. Oh, oh yes, my PowerPoint presentation days. Uh, and one of the most striking things was the deep negative correlation between the year of publication and the number of sweary words. If that trend had been continued, you'd now be in the realm of negative sweary words. So what the form do those negative sweary words take? Well, to be honest, the negative sweary words have been expressed through words like Womble Funting Spug Nugget, <laughs> um, which are both ridiculous, but sound a little bit sweary. F I mean, f Funt is just, if, if, you, if you hit your, your, your thumb with a hammer, isn't going to help with the release of endorphins, but it, you know, it will shock people. If the, what did you say? Funt. Oh, I thought you said something completely different. I'm sorry. No, you're all right. You're all right. So it's, it's an unswear. For me, what I like is the um, accumulation. It's not that it's one word. It's like the way you put them all together. That, to me, is the beauty of it. It's, it's Joycean, really, in its scope. That's what I meant to say. Except, except with punctuation, because, you know, I'm not afraid of a comma <laughs> or an apostrophe. Uh, Stuart, in this free time that you've got uh, ahead of you at the moment, have you thought about taking up professional singing? Professional singing? Ooh. I have bought a banjo. I have genuinely bought a banjo. I haven't got dungarees yet. Um, but, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, would, I would like to... I, I used to sing. Um, I used to do musical theatre um, when I was... when I was even, even sexier and younger than I am now. Um, but it was a long, long, long time ago. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, that'd be quite fun. Take the song you sung last. 
The song I sung last year. I'm not allowed to sing the song I sung last year. What was it? Um, It was a slightly X-rated version of a frog he would have wooing go. I can't remember. I can't remember all of it. Your public demands. I'll give you. So, bring me my gimp suit and spank my behind. Hey ho, said Rolly. Bring me my gimp suit and spank my behind. Shove up my bum hole the things that you find in a bedside cabinet filled up with dildos. Hey ho, said Anthony Rolly. <laughs> I wasn't going to do that. You insisted. I, that was magnificent. I think we have time. Well, we don't actually. We don't have time for any more questions. However, when you go, buy the book and get it signed. If you still have a question for Stuart, you can ask him then. But before we make a dash, and if you just let us get out there first, and I'll get him in position behind the table. Before we make a dash for the... I didn't say bent over the table. I just said behind it. Filth. Filth. <laughs> Can you just say thank no, you to no, this? Before, before, no. before we do that, before we do that, what? can I please ask you all to be upstanding for the national anthem? <laughs> okay. Ladies and gentlemen, if you will join me in the new Scottish national anthem. One, two, three, four. Scotland's great, Scotland's great. La, 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 Scotland's great. Dance a bit. Doobie, doobie, doobie. A doobie, doobie, doobie. Doobie, 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 doo. Scotland's great! Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. Find out more about the Book Festival at edbookfest.co.uk and keep up to date on events, booking information and more by following us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Just search at edbookfest. The Edinburgh International Book Festival takes place every August in Charlotte Square Gardens.